What's going on, quitters? Welcome to another episode of Don't Quit Your Day Job. You know me, comedian Maxim Allen. I am your host for this show. This is the show where we talk about people's creative passions. Today is December 26, 2020, almost the end of this godforsaken year. I hope you all have been enjoying the holidays with your family. And speaking of which, I have a special episode for you all today. It's a very special guest. We have an artist, writer, entrepreneur, and parent, my mother, Cindy Koblenz. We give a moment for the audience to applause. You can say hi. Hi. (laughs) I'm nervous. It's okay. Thank you for coming on. I thought this would be a fun one to do. Yeah, I I was looking forward to it, too. Yeah. Um, So... So for people who don't know my mom, my mom is currently running a cleaning business and wants to get out of that more into painting and writing and being more of an artist. So we'll start back at the beginning, okay? So you start your, started your career. So the, as an artist, you like to paint mostly? Yes. Yes. I, I feel I was born... I was born wanting to paint and write and draw. Mm-hmm. That was always the thread through my life. Mm-hmm. And when it came time to going to college and deciding what I was going to do, I just wanted to think about what I could do that would use those skills. Right. So I became a, a graphic designer. Mm-hmm. And college was great in in terms of, art because I had a lot of art history. I just immersed in that. I loved, I loved just being around other artists. I, I loved the exposure to different, um, things like uh, textile design, Mm -hmm. sculpture, different aspects of art. And I just loved it. Mm -hmm. So I became, um, a graphic designer, graphic artist, because it was one way to be an artist and make money. Mm -hmm. Um, What were your like early influences? Like before you go to college, and you're a kid. What kind of art were you doing? What kind of what was your experience being really young? Well, my dad is an artist, but he was a technical illustrator for Ford. Um, he's technically really good. He has a great hand. And, and I mm-hmm. think, you know, when you meet people and you find out when you meet a doctor and you realize, well, his aunts and uncle, are, they're all doctors. I mean, mm-hmm. things run in the family. There's threads of that. Right. And I feel that that's pretty much where it came from. I was born mm-hmm. wanting to do it. And he had a basement studio, yeah, like mine here yeah. that I'm sitting in. <laughs> We're recording in the the basement of my mom's house in the corner that's covered in art supplies. <laughs> Surround. Let's say I'm surrounded. Uh, it's my happy place. So, yeah, it was just always there. And then mm-hmm. in college, we started going away to Chicago for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, some class trips where we would see big exhibits that were coming through, and I just I loved. I just loved that life. I loved having artist friends. I loved going to openings. I loved every part of it. It just felt like home. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if uh, I should be saying this at this point. Go for but it. <laughs> I always, you know, I became a graphic designer because I didn't feel confident enough to be an artist. Mm-hmm. I felt like, well, I'm not Rembrandt. I'm not Caravaggio. I'm not the great one of the great masters. I knew that. Mm-hmm. Now, as an almost 60-year-old, I realize I don't have to be that. Right. I am who I am, mm-hmm. and I actually have a really good eye, and I yeah. have, it's in me. 
and I need to bring it out. Mm-hmm. And part of my life philosophy is I don't want to die with my music still in me, which is what Wayne Dyer said years ago. And it stuck with me because I feel like if I died now, I would be dying with my music still in me. Yeah, yeah. That I have not fully developed mm-hmm. um, who I was born to be, the yeah. gifts I was given. And the way I look at it is we're all born with whatever talents and gifts we were born with. Mm-hmm. And part of the purpose in life is developing them. Yeah. Seeing what you can do with them. Right. And I became a graphic designer. I had my own business. Um, wait, 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 okay. So let's back up. So okay. you go to, we're only four minutes in, mom. So, so we need to. No, we have a lot to brakes. cover. Yeah. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> we have a long life. <laughs> so, so you go to school for graphic design. Yes. Okay. What were some, like, just kind of like you, so you, you kind of earlier in your life, you're just painting and doing like random artwork and right. stuff. What were some of the challenges you faced getting into graphic design, which is a more professional, systematic form of art? I found it pretty easy. Yeah. And you know what I loved about it? Back when I was, this will tell you how old I am. Uh, back when I was a graphic designer, um, we had to do everything by hand. It, yeah. No computers. It didn't exist yet. Yeah. So <laughs> everything was very tactile. Mm-hmm. So. I am a tactile person. Mm-hmm. You know that I also did catering for a while because food, hands. I love mm-hmm. gardening because it's hands. I love art because it's my hands. Mm-hmm. It was the hand, hands-on aspect of everything that I love. I love using my hands. Yeah. And so we would cut, you know, you, when you do, I just love the zone you get into. Mm-hmm. When, even as a graphic designer, you get in a zone. Your brain goes to a place when you're doing art, where you're doing uh whether it's for yourself or for commercial, you're still your brain is still going to a place when you're using your hands. Mm-hmm. It's like my brain clicks in, yeah, and that felt good to me. Mm-hmm. And the challenge, it really wasn't challenging. Um, you know, I got a job, and I would use my hands, and so did I enjoyed it. Did were there like internships and stuff? Did you work while in college? Well, my I had a non traditional life, as you know. I met your dad when I was sixteen, mm-hmm. and I, um, everything else went out the window as soon as I met him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was working for his dad, for his father, your grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, he owned a real estate office and I was uh, working part-time during school. I would go to school till 1230. Then I would work for your grandfather yeah. from 1230 for the rest of the afternoon. And that's how I met your dad. And he was in college at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, where, where are we? Where was I going with this? Oh, did you work in college? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got married when I was 18, which, of course, I worked when I was in college because I was a married woman. Yeah. So um, I got married when I was 18. Your dad was 22. He had just graduated from college. I did not start college till I was 20. Okay. So at so when I started college, your dad was starting his career. So mm-hmm. And I was being an artist. I was really an artist back then. Yeah. Goosey goosey. I didn't care. I wasn't on a, I've got to go to this school for the next four years. I just went to school wherever we were living. Mm-hmm. So I started going to college. And if we moved because of his career, I would switch schools. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> yes, I did work. I usually the service industry, I, I, um, you know, food service, waitress, that kind of thing. I drove a forklift for a while in a warehouse because it paid well. And mm-hmm. I like doing non-traditional work, um, but I did. I always worked. I always worked since yeah. I was 14. So I worked, and it was important for me to support my end of things. Mm-hmm. So 
that's why it took a little longer too. I kept changing schools. Yeah. And I was working. And I'm no stranger to working long hours, so I didn't mind taking a full load, but also working. Yeah. Um, at the, so I would just I just kept going to school and moving. And it was so funny because I got used to it. Mm-hmm. And it was never like, well, when is this going to be over? I just thought, well, I've lost credits again, so I'm just going to take my classes. <laughs> How nice it must have been to go to college back then and just <laughs> not be bankrupt from that kind of behavior. I wasn't. I didn't have any <laughs> any loans at all. Incredible. I um, just paid for it. Mm-hmm. And I remember the last semester, I was going to Western Michigan Talk about coming full circle. I ended up going to the college university that your dad graduated from. Yeah. We were living in Grand Rapids. I would drive to Kalamazoo every day for an hour. Oh, wow. Go to classes, drive home, and then I would work at a newspaper. Mm-hmm. I was just doing paste up. It was just paste up. You know, you yeah, just, yeah. And it was all by hand. This is the type <laughs> of thing you do on the computer now and you wouldn't dream of doing it by hand, but people actually had to set type, pump it out. It would come in sheets. And you'd cut cut the articles apart and the pay pictures, paste them up on boards mm-hmm. in in the order that they would have to be to go into the printing press. But I found it really relaxing work. I was there alone. I'd work in yeah. the, at night, you know, when I, when the place was closed. I would just go and do my thing and come home. And I I'm an introvert, and I just love I just love giving him in my head zone and working alone and. I enjoy that. Nice. So did you you have any like graphic design work while you were in school or did that happen like after you graduated? Well, it was just that last semester where I worked at that new, it wasn't really design. That was just pay stub artist. Um, When I graduated, I... Wait, wait. Pay stub artist? Pay stub. Oh, paste up. up. I was like, you, every pay stub you had to individually like... (laughs) No, P-A-S-T-E. Okay. Paste up art. Okay. And it was so funny because we used a lot of rubber cement back then. Mm-hmm. And I used to worry about brain damage. <laughs> if, like, if I do this for years, am I going to be brain damaged? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I know. <laughs> and uh, so after school, I, I ended up, um, one of my, actually one of my fun memories from that time is I had a sculpture class and we were out in a courtyard, me and my artist friends we were we were having our chisels and our hammers and we were sculpting something Mm -hmm. and and we were just having fun and talking and your dad walked in he found he found what class i was in that day and he was in the middle of his work day and he goes you know walks in with his businessman attire and his tie and um so funny so out of place (laughs) (laughs) but it was like here i am with my nice little life and um (laughs) yeah yeah it was fun wow i enjoyed it so what was what was your first job after college then? I worked for a print company and they had an in-house design um, service. So very simple. You know, people would come in, they'd want a logo or they'd want a brochure. They'd mm-hmm. want um, any. I basically was a design for printed right products. You know, um, logos, flyers, it booklets. Would, it would be like a Kinkos or whatever now. Something but like, like that. But they would for have sure. in-house yeah. design yeah. instead of just like having you figure it out okay and then um you know just as time went on what did i do i ended up getting some contract work say for amway who 
does those big, huge catalogs. Amway, notorious criminals. <laughs> well, yeah. At the time, they had a lot of design work and they paid quite well. So I had my own. I started doing freelance, mm -hmm. which is my own stuff on the side. And then I, uh, I always liked working for myself. So it always worked out better for me. So I always had my own clients. And I, I got a contract with Amway where I had to work on their premises about 30 hours a week. They were paying me about $40 an hour. And then I had my- Back own. then? Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. We're talking, what is that? <laughs> uh, 30, That's 80, 30 years? 80,000 a year, 30 years ago. 30 years ago. And I felt, this tells you how twisted I was, that it wasn't enough. I had to have my own customers because I thought this contract, it's just a contract. I'm not their employee. It's not a sure thing. So I still have to maintain my own customer base. So I would stay up till midnight and working on my own stuff and then wow. do their stuff. And I've always had a tendency to overwork. Mm -hmm. I'm a workhorse. Yeah. Most definitely a workhorse. And it's hurt me. I mean, it serves me well, but yeah. it also has hurt me. So yeah. it's over time, I'm learning mm -hmm. to back off of that tendency. Yeah. Or direct it in a more healthy way. Were you, back then, were you still making time to do art in your free time? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, and that's what I miss at this point, but we're going to get to that. But yeah. yes, I would, oh, I had a studio. I always had a studio. Um, we would do, I, would, I got into handmaking. I got into textiles. In college, I had a textile design class and I loved it. Just working with fabrics, working with mm -hmm. Any any materials, I've, I've made my own paper, I used fabrics, I would sew it, glue it, make it. I mean, anything that was textile. Um, yeah. So I got into that and I would do hand-dyed um, accessories, purses, clothing. Mm -hmm. I would hand-paint, hand-dye wow. items. And then I would sell these things, these items, at along the tourist towns. We lived in Michigan at the time, so you have Saugatuck, Holland, um, any of those towns that are along the Big Lake. Mm-hmm would sell artwork and yeah. do things. You know, people come to those towns and they want to buy something. So I would, people would um, carry my items mm -hmm. and sell them. So I did that. And you just walked into their business and said, like, hey. This is what I make. Okay. Do you want to, you can you carry it? Yeah. And so I did that. Mm -hmm. And it was very, I was just immersed in that. Yeah. I, I, and then in my basement, I would hand dye the fabrics. I would be outdoors in the backyard, letting them dry. It was just, Mm -hmm. I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. Mm -hmm. I felt like th this, this mm -hmm. is who I'm supposed to be. Um, so there was that, but there's also a level of insecurity. Can I make it just because you're making something of yours, yeah. it's your handiwork. So you're always feeling that sense of you're exposing yourself. And, and so um, do you like this? I made this. Yeah. I think a lot you of know? the people I talk to on this show, it's that like, especially in like comedy and like other just like hard arts and performances yeah. and stuff. It's like, I put so much time into making this. Yeah. I think I feel, I feel good about yeah. my side of things, but if does everyone else like it, right. is this good enough to go forward or am I just going to have to keep at it until it's amazing right. to everybody? So I always did that. We even had friends come over. And we, we were very into when we um, lived in Grand Rapids. I was still married to your dad. And we were very into the art community. A lot of our friends were involved. Um, one of my best friends, 
she was a writer and an artist. Her husband was in the symphony as a percussionist, but he was also, he just did that as his day job. He didn't wow. really, he didn't <laughs> like it. He always put it down. Oh, I have to do this, you know, to make money. <laughs> I have to be in the symphony. Um, but he, his whole house was loaded with instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew people whose houses were set up for their art. Um, mm-hmm. And then someone was married to a famous, a really great commercial photographer. Mm-hmm. Beautiful work. So I had friends who were living the life. Yeah. And, you know, then you have this whole imposter syndrome. Am I good enough to be that? Yeah. You know, to, to put myself out there in that way. Mm-hmm. So I was moving in that direction for sure. I was in my 20s, early 20s. And you're confident. Why shouldn't you? You know, well, this is, this is what I love to do. Mm-hmm. So I got more and more involved with the commercial art aspect of it, you know, for money, basically. Um, yeah. So I, be, I just branched off on my own. I ended up starting my own design business. Mm-hmm. And that's where my life just spiraled into work. Yeah. I never slept. Mm-hmm. And you were born. Yeah. And your brother was born. And I got a job. Oh, I got a job. Um, I don't know if I want to name it, but it was a big company. They were a salon distributor, and they they had, they wanted an in-house design. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I had that up, their in-house design department. Mm-hmm. And then we bought print um, print equipment printing equipment so i hired the people who produced what i designed Mm -hmm. and so i was um i pretty much was the director of that whole area the design and printing of the items that that company produced Mm -hmm. and i I liked that that really appealed to my love of business as well i mean Mm -hmm. that 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 brought out something in me that i didn't realize was there i love being an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. i love my freedom i really don't like working for other people yeah. <laughs> so it was a way for me to work for this company, but not because I wasn't really part of the inner workings of their company. They let me do my thing. It was a separate profit center. I was mm-hmm. I was in charge of that. Yeah. But, but it also, I just like I said, I never slept. I was always working. Always, always, mm-hmm. always more, more, more. Um, let me bring in more. And, and with I, kids. Then I then I had you. Then they closed their department. They moved. And I went off on my own completely. Yeah. What was it? What was it like working for yourself in physical media while you're having two kids around? You were in danger all the time. So, no, but it scared me. <laughs> um, I didn't want to daycare you to death, but mm-hmm. in hindsight, I wasn't necessarily present for you either mm-hmm. because I was trying to finish projects mm-hmm. while you were there, and it was difficult because you're divided. Your, yeah. your attention is divided. And of course, if you're doing anything visual, you're sort of in a place in your brain. Mm-hmm. And I'm not someone who can do that and watch kids at the same time effectively. I know an artist, actually I follow her now, and she just blows me away with her ability to have her children around and still produce fine art. It's all Instagram. You don't know the truth. Uh, maybe, <laughs> who knows? She does a podcast and she's incredibly successful. I don't know how she does it. Um, but I do remember this one time, um, Logan was probably. Logan is my younger brother for the listeners. Oh, he's, he's two years younger. So yeah. you were, you were maybe two and a half and he was maybe one. Maybe, yeah. Maybe, he was probably walking at the time. So maybe one and almost three, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to print off a project. I had stayed up all night designing. Mm-hmm. These were catalog pages and I had my own clients. So I had to 
um, deliver the proofs yeah. that day. Mm-hmm. And so I just, five minutes, I was focusing on getting this printer working. And I looked, where, where were you? And I, yeah. I found you and your brother in the ditch next to the road in front of our house. Oh my gosh. And this was a country <laughs> road that people sped down. Yeah. Because it was a country road, no stop signs, no nothing. And it scared me. Wow. Because in five <laughs> minutes, you made your way out to the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Haven't heard that one before, Mom. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, boy. I was more careful after that, but still, I would stay up all night and be and finish a job and someone would wake up. Yeah. As soon as I felt like, oh, I can sleep for a couple hours, someone would wake up and I would get up and I, I was so sleep deprived. I didn't know what end was up. And I would put you in the car, you and your brother, mm-hmm. with baggies of cereal and take the projects and deliver them. Mm-hmm. The proofs. And so it was different. There was an electronic proofing. Yeah. Um, in the same way, they want they wanted physical proof. Some print materials, it's you can't really proof them on a computer. Right, least, right. You know, so it it burned me out. It totally burned me out. And when we then we moved mm-hmm. to Colorado. Yeah, your dad got a job here, and his suggestion was that he focus on work and I not work, mm-hmm. which worried me, um, because. It changes dynamics, mm-hmm. but also I kind of knew how we felt about women who didn't work. <laughs> so yeah, didn't it necessarily would be respected. Um, but it was a, it was, it just felt fantastic mm-hmm. not to work. It took me a good two years to feel like myself again because I just didn't sleep. I didn't sleep for yeah. a couple years. I was just working and working and finishing projects, and then you would wake up or your brother would wake up mm-hmm. and. I regret it. I do. Um, because that it's so, I came home with your brother from the hospital. He, he just was born. Yeah. And I sat in front of my computer immediately. I walked straight to my computer with him in my arms and started, oh, wow. and started working on a project because I was so worried I would lose my clients. Wow. I know. Holy shit. Well, <laughs> why? You know, in hindsight, why? What was I trying to prove? Is it, what mm-hmm. is that? You know, well, what was I afraid of? I was afraid of losing customers and clients. Yeah. yeah. But I shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I should have planned it in a way where I could completely focus on the fact that I had this new baby. Yeah. And you don't realize it at the time, but how fast it goes. Mm-hmm. And how important it is for you to not do anything but be together. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's good for both of you. Mm-hmm. So I made mistakes there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, yeah, when we moved here and I didn't work, I just felt like, oh my gosh, what a gift. What mm-hmm. a gift. Yeah. You got to chill out for a few. Did you, yeah. did, did you do any painting when we moved here? Like I was pretty young, so I don't remember a whole lot, but were you doing any art when we first well, moved here? I had it with me and when we moved into Westwoods, I set it up in the basement, mm-hmm. but I never really did it. It's like it started collecting dust. Yeah. And I couldn't figure out how to do it and mm-hmm. have a baby and a toddler, but I was also 
kind of descending. Yeah. In in a bad way. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I don't know. Are we going to talk to him about that? You can talk about whatever we want. <laughs> we can go wherever we want. I mean, this is a crucial moment oh of the story. Oh, my goodness. So. <laughs> um, this is hard. I might start crying. Um, wow. I started drinking too much. Mm-hmm. And part, well, the, to talk about that would take this whole 90 minutes, but there was the, always that tendency. Mm-hmm. But when things got tough, mm-hmm. that's when it escalated. Right. Um, and part of it began when I was working so much back in Michigan, and I never, I never slept and I never rested, mm-hmm. and it became my friend. Mm-hmm. So that continued, and as our marriage unraveled, yeah, that got worse mm-hmm. and as it always does it progresses but right an alcohol problem does not go away if you don't stop mm-hmm. it, it just keeps going right until it kills you mm-hmm. and so um what happens when you have an addiction is it takes every bit of good out of you yeah it it, it it's like if art was my gift it took that away mm-hmm. and it's and it collected dust mm-hmm. and and you will talk to any you can talk to any artist who had an addiction and I'll tell you the same thing mm-hmm. you're not good it doesn't help drugs and alcohol do not help your art mm-hmm. it 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 takes away your creativity you just think it adds to it right it's a misconception and so it gathered dust and i remember going downstairs and looking and i could not make my brain work my brain was mm-hmm. not working right Mm-hmm. And I was under a lot of stress with the relationship and um, having little kids. But I loved, I loved being home. I, I loved being in that neighborhood where it was, mm-hmm. you know, like a boy's life. You know, yeah. a dozen kids on the block and you could just walk out and be outdoors and be in the creek. I just loved that you had that. Mm-hmm. And I loved that I had a chance to be with you. Mm-hmm. And that I could be that mom on the street who was home. Mm-hmm. But my art kind of came to a halt because I couldn't figure out how to do both. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't. So um, then we got a divorce. Mm-hmm. And um, boy, those are the black years. Yeah. I had not worked for seven years. Mm-hmm. My art had been dormant. My design work was not in non-existent mm-hmm. for those seven years. I was a stay-at-home mom and I was a new, in a new um, state. I didn't have a portfolio that was current. I didn't have connections. I didn't have anything. So I basically thought I have to do whatever and mm-hmm. just reach out in every direction yeah. to, to get work. Mm-hmm. I was trying to get something. What, what am I going to do now? I felt oddly obsolete. I had a college degree and I didn't mention this, but I started getting my master's Mm-hmm. When you were a baby. Yeah. And I was about halfway through and just stopped because you were a baby. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't, I was working like an animal and I yeah. was going to college at night and then I had a baby and I just, something had to give. Yeah. So I didn't finish my master's, but I had done that. And, and on um, top of that, in your field over those seven years, oh like technology advanced yeah. a huge amount. Absolutely. So like... Your da- graphic design experience from what the early '80s in college mm-hmm. is like completely different. Oh. Things have totally changed. Well, I had switched over. I had one of the first 
Max. Really? That, that were, sure. When I was still working for that company where I was heading their design department, mm-hmm. um, I talked my boss into buying uh, one of the first Macs that was used for design work. And um, I forget what it was called. The iMac, maybe? Mm-hmm. 15-inch screen, black and white printer, and a scanner. Your mm-hmm. basic scanner, $20,000. <laughs> it was $20,000. And we were so excited. And, um, and I would just get new software and I was learning how to use Adobe and mm-hmm. Illustrator and all of those. And so those have I, been around that long. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I use those for the materials for this podcast. Well, I'm sure they're <laughs> different now, but, um, but you would get the software in a box. Yeah. You couldn't order it online and download it. You get the box. A stack of floppy disks. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, and then you would install them on your computer. And I really enjoyed learning how to use this computer. It, it awakened a different side of my mm-hmm. brain that I loved, too. Because yeah. I am intelligent. I am smart. I love math. I love all that sort of thing, too. So I, I liked using all different parts of my brains. Uh, my brains. My brain. Um, as an entrepreneur, as a um, mm-hmm. someone who was leading a department, I do enjoy business. I found mm-hmm. I, I did enjoy business. I love setting goals and, and going for it. But yes, I did learn all that, but I never did get into web design. I never, right. So during those seven years that I was home is when everything was shifting. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, the whole thought of going back to design just made me sick to my stomach because I was so burnt out by the time I stopped. Right. Right. The deadline, I was sick of deadlines. I was sick of, of customer changes. I was mm-hmm. sick of customers. And customers started feeling like they were designers because... All of a sudden, everybody had computers that could do design work. Yeah. So you were no longer looked at as someone who had the skill they, that they needed to pay for. Everyone thought they could do it too. So I just didn't want to deal with it. I just, mm-hmm. like, what am I going to do now? So I was just reaching in a lot of different directions, getting any job I could mm-hmm. to try to support myself or try to get some traction. And then we lost everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we moved from our house to an apartment that was pretty scary and nasty. And mm-hmm. we went from there to a condo I bought. Mm-hmm. I bought a condo for us. And I thought, oh, this is nice, a brand new place. And it just wasn't. Yeah. Everything started. It was during the recession, mm-hmm. 2004 through 2009. Those five yeah. years were right after the divorce. Mm-hmm. So between 2004 and 2009, I was trying to get traction in the work world. I would take five or six jobs at a time. I mm-hmm. was working catering. I would work for a real estate lawyer. I was selling furniture on the weekends. I I did so many different jobs. Yeah, it was a lot. I remember like those days, like there was nights with, especially with catering, that you would come yeah. back at like three in the morning on a weekday. I know. I know. And I wasn't being paid enough to get sitters. So David, David could watch you. Um, I called social services myself to find out what I was allowed to do. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because I couldn't afford sitters. Mm-hmm. How long am I allowed to leave them alone? Mm-hmm. Because I had to work and I had to leave you alone. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have a choice. Yeah. I, and I didn't want, you know, to have you taken away. So I would push it. Mm-hmm. I did what I was legally allowed to do. Mm-hmm. But it, it was too much. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't around enough. You know, in hindsight, that's another hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I was, I fought so hard to hang on to that condo. And mm-hmm. in the end, we lost it. Mm-hmm. It was the blackest time of my life. We lost our home. 
Yeah. And that, that was my sophomore year of high school, 2009. Was it? Yeah. Already? Yeah. You were that old? Mm-hmm. No, you were younger. No, no, we, we definitely weren't. Yeah. Yeah, because we were in... It was 2000... 2009. It was the 2009. fall of 2009. Yeah. yeah. That was my sophomore year. Wow. So, for a couple of weeks, we didn't have anywhere to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're just, uh, for the listeners, we were living in, like, an acquaintance's basement for a little while, like, way across town. Like... Yeah. We didn't know where we were going to end up. And this person didn't want us there. Yeah. And I had to ignore that because I needed a roof. Yeah. So, I pretended... I didn't notice how yeah. hostile she was becoming. Mm-hmm. Um, I paid her, mm-hmm. but it was like, I'm sorry, we have to. I needed a roof and did what I had to do. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And the big moment. Um, yeah. So this is like the sad part of the story. And this is where the better part of the story happens. <laughs> well, this is, you were in the car. Mm-hmm. Logan was in the car. It had two suitcases and the dog. And we were driving around Old Town. And I dropped you off at Amy's. Yeah, my high school girlfriend. And you were going to be with her. And I dropped Logan mm-hmm. off at the library. And I was a mess. I was a mess. I was so stressed out. When we lost our home, I was so stressed out I couldn't think straight. Mm-hmm. And it was like your brain goes into a loop of stress. And it was really fascinating. It was like I was looking in on myself from mm-hmm. the outside seeing in fascination how my brain was not functioning yeah we just get like so paralyzed by that stress yeah mm-hmm. i was totally paralyzed and it's almost it felt almost like a chemical reaction in my brain i couldn't comprehend like i was trying to study mm-hmm. and i had to read the same thing over and over and over and over and it wasn't sinking in because my brain just wouldn't wasn't functioning mm-hmm. and so um i remember i dropped you both off and I was crying. <laughs> and I thought, I have, something's got to give. We either have to go to a homeless shelter mm-hmm. or go to Michigan with mm-hmm. my grandpa. But winter was coming. Yeah. And then I thought about, well, how, if, I'm, if, I, if we drive to Michigan, all of my stuff is in storage here. How am I going to get it back? I can't afford to move everything across. Like all that was swirling in my head. Mm-hmm. Then I thought, well, if we go to a homeless shelter, we're going to be there for the holidays. And I can't imagine being in a homeless shelter with my boys. And it was the first time in my life where I felt completely alone, completely abandoned without mm-hmm. without a net. Even yeah. though I knew my parents were always there, my brother and my sister, technically, of course, mm-hmm. they would help. But it it wasn't really a solution that was workable at yeah. that moment. Mm-hmm. So... I was crying and driving through Old Town, and I passed my favorite church, and I just turned my head, and I saw the church, and I started yelling at God, mm-hmm. where are you? I need you. And I was so, like, I didn't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. And I had forgotten God was even there till that moment. So, yeah, that was, that was it. And then... Should we talk about the next thing? Yeah, we, I mean, <laughs> if we get through all this, we got a lot of time to talk about all the fun stuff and okay, good things. Okay, so. <laughs> um, All right. Within a few minutes, I picked up Logan. Mm-hmm. And then a few minutes later, he said, don't you see that? And I looked over to him, and in his side mirror was police lights. Mm-hmm. The police were behind us trying to pull me over, and I didn't even notice. Mm-hmm. 
So I got pulled over and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, this is it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I failed a field sobriety test. Mm -hmm. And they let me call Susan. Uh, One of our old neighbors and good friends. And I remembered her phone number at that moment. And uh, she came to get Logan and she went to pick up you. Actually, she didn't. She didn't? (laughs) No, not not that night. Because what happened was, so. (laughs) Wait a second. My How side of the story that, is my girlfriend at the time, Amy, yeah. you dropped me off there yeah. and we went to see Close Encounters of the right. fourth, t- fourth Kind at the uh-huh. theater. Mm-hmm. And we're walking back to her place and it's probably like 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. at this point and I called you mm-hmm. and uh, I said, okay, I'm ready for you to be picked up. And you said, um, can you stay there tonight? I've just been arrested. <sighs> And keep in mind, me and this girl have been dating for two weeks, and now I have to ask, tell her parents that my mom has been arrested, Are you and I need to stay there tonight. Seriously? <laughs> yeah, and and they were they were really cool about it. It, it was fine. It was like totally whatever. I remember you being at Susan's? You you guys picked me up the next morning. Yeah. So I stayed on their couch in their living room. And the next morning, my girlfriend and her mom both went out to work. And on the way out, Amy says to her dad, she goes, Dad, do not threaten him with your guns. (laughs) And so they leave. And I go, so are you going to show me your guns or not? (laughs) And we just hung out in that morning. He showed me all his guns. (laughs) Honestly, that part, I I didn't didn't remember that part. Um, Yeah. And then... Oh, you, you guys picked me up in the morning. Well, because I think you just stayed overnight or something. No, I didn't. Well, oh, really? No, 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 no. No, this was the magical part. So when they were trying to get me to blow, yeah, the, the breathalyzer, it malfunctioned mm-hmm. a couple times. And he's like, "Well, we have to go to the station. There's a better one there. It's a machine, and, mm-hmm. and, and so we'll just get your breath there." Okay, I was totally cooperative. Um, and so we went to the station, and I blew, and it malfunctioned. And it was a big machine. Yeah. He said, well, we have to wait 20 minutes now. So, mm. so we waited 20 minutes. I blew again. It malfunctioned. So that happened three times. Mm-hmm. And each time I did that, we had to wait 20 minutes for it to reset itself. Yeah. So then he says, well, is it okay if we take your blood? I said, yeah, sure, whatever. I just was being cooperative. And so they had to wait for someone to come and take my blood. So at this point, nobody knew what my blood alcohol was or anything. Yeah. Um, but I was just going along with it. So mm-hmm. they took my blood. The guy was really, the officer was so nice. I mean, they were, they were very kind. And we just had a conversation about real estate and what I was doing and how I was worried that this would ruin my chances of being in sales because I was in sales mm-hmm. at the time. And I told him a little bit of our sob story that we lost our home. And he was just a nice man. Anyway, he he said he was doing his paperwork mm-hmm. and he handed me back my license. He said, this is your lucky day. You get your license back because it's been more than two hours since I pulled you over mm-hmm. and you get it back. You can pick up your car tomorrow, like wherever they impound it. And they let me call Susan and mm-hmm. Susan took me home and she was going to Susan's house and being with her family was a gift. Mm-hmm. I felt so cared for. And she, I woke up in terror the next morning. I was afraid I was going to lose you. Yeah. I was afraid I was going to lose my children. I was afraid I was going to lose everything 
even worse than I already had. I already had no home. Mm-hmm. I had no job. I had no money. And I was just getting a DUI. Mm-hmm. And uh, in my mind, I thought, this, this shouldn't have happened. Like, this was not who I was. I had crossed a line for myself mm-hmm. that should never have been crossed. Mm-hmm. And when I woke up, the first thing I thought was, I'm going to pull every bit of good out of this that I can. And that was my automatic thought. I was still terrified, but I thought, whatever happens, I'm going to pull something good out of it. Mm-hmm. And um, Susan said, I've had the Bible study ladies praying for you. And a stranger handed me a phone number. Mm-hmm. And she wants you to call her. I don't know who this woman is. I've never seen her before. Mm-hmm. And I was such a wreck. I said, you need to call because I can't talk. Mm-hmm. I really couldn't. I, I followed Susan around all day. I could barely speak. Mm-hmm. I was so distraught by what had just happened and my fear over your father finding out mm-hmm. and him trying to take you away from me. Yeah. Um, I, all of the possibilities were scary. Um, and so anyway, she called this woman and we were given a, an address mm-hmm. where to meet her. So you boys, Susan and I, and you and your brother got in the car. We went to this address. We walked in this house and I turned and looked at you guys and you just relaxed. You just, mm-hmm. ex- it was like you just exhaled. And the woman's name was Dana. And she handed me a key and said, here, you can live here for free for three months. And mm-hmm. if you can afford the rent after that, you can stay. Mm-hmm. And I looked around and that was it. Yeah. It, I looked around at that light, bright, brand newly remodeled home. Mm-hmm. And I swear I felt God. Mm-hmm. I knew. I knew this was a God thing. And I didn't usually talk like this, but it, it just felt that was what was happening <clears throat> and I said and I thought to myself I'm not going anywhere mm-hmm. and I knew I would work for myself I would not get any more jobs and I would slam the door on alcohol mm-hmm. and I didn't want any any negativity or any negative spirits to walk through that door mm-hmm. no negative people no bad people no nothing I was done and it was it was a very fierce decision mm-hmm. and um, as you know it took a couple months to really, really mm-hmm. get a hold. But in that moment, it was like, it was like I was a warrior. Yeah. I, I felt like I had jammed a sword in the ground in front of my feet and said, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And so um, my decision was basically not to look for work from anyone else, that I was going to work for myself. Mm-hmm. And the thing that popped into my head was to clean houses mm-hmm. because. I knew I could get money instantly. Yeah. Um, in the months leading up to that, I had been working for a marketing company, of mm-hmm. course. Yeah. One of 300 jobs I had over those years. And uh, I also started cleaning evictions and foreclosed homes because everybody was losing their home at that time. It yeah. wasn't just me. It mm-hmm. wasn't just me and my alcohol issue. It was the recession was hitting and everyone was losing work. Everybody was losing their homes. And I thought... Mm-hmm. Well, I can clean these homes. And you already had the connections through a real estate yes. office you worked at. I well, um, I met some woman who managed rental properties and she mm-hmm. would give me um homes to clean. And so that was where the idea came from. Do you remember the first job? Oh yeah. <laughs> I remember the first job. It was an eviction. 
the water had been turned off three weeks before the people left, mm-hmm. and they continued to use the toilets. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't care. I remember I hired someone that I was working with at the marketing company mm-hmm. to help me. She looked up from this toilet she was cleaning and said, I would rather do this than go back to that office. I said, I totally agree. Wow. Because that office was such a negative environment that it felt like it was sucking my soul. Mm -hmm. I will do anything not to work for another person. Yeah. I will do anything. Mm -hmm. And so I would do jobs like that. And I would, and I'm not a germaphobe, but I would cover myself with sanitizer up to my shoulders after leaving. Some of those places were gross. Mm -hmm. And you brought you brought me and Logan around on a couple jobs and made us clean with you and well, like not I had like a dirty idea. stuff. But I had like, an idea that you could help, like this could be a family business or something. And then I realized there were limitations to what a, a child can do. I yeah. mean, not that I expected you to clean toilets like that, but even wash this wall. I mean, you're just not good. Yeah, just, just not good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it sucked. <laughs> not that you should. It sucked. Like, I mean, I'm... I just thought helping would be a way for us to work together. Yeah. But I quickly learned that wasn't going to work. Yeah. I mean, so I, mean, I didn't have you, you do that very much at all. You didn't have us do a lot, but I was no. still like, it was still like, okay, I'm vacuuming and I'm wiping down the counters. And then you're like, okay, you need to clean the inside of the screen door. And mm. I'd be like, well, I would do it. And then you'd come up and be like, this is not done right. And then it just mm. was like that all the time. Just I'm here, sorry. do this thing. And I'm like, I can't do I it know, the I right know, way. I know, I know, I know. I know. It, it was a learning experience for me too. I was just trying it. Mm-hmm. And how, um, much, how much were you making for how much work back then? Well, what I ended up doing once we ended up in that home... Um, I, I made a flyer because I'm a graphic artist mm-hmm. that said, help me stay in my home by having me clean yours. Mm-hmm. And what happened? Oh, let's finish the story about that though. Okay. okay. We moved into this house. Mm-hmm. We we're moving in. A neighbor came by, introduced herself as Audie. And I said, Hey, this was an incredible blessing to find this house. We were just homeless. Mm-hmm. We lost everything. Blah, blah, blah. A couple of days later, she comes by and hands me a card. Happy holidays, because this was the beginning of the holiday season. Mm -hmm. And so I opened the card, and there was $500 Mm -hmm. from a stranger I had met once. Mm -hmm. And then the Bible study ladies had done a collection, and they gave me King Super gift cards, which is the grocery store. Mm -hmm. So within days of calling out to God, where are you? Mm -hmm. Having felt abandoned, I had a home, Mm -hmm. I had money, and I had food. Mm -hmm. And that cemented it for me. I thought, oh, oh, I was hurt. Mm-hmm. I never felt that before, that there was such a tangible evidence of me asking for help and getting it immediately. Mm-hmm. Immediately. It was like the whole universe shifted because yeah. that, was, that was such a heartfelt cry to God that it felt like the floodgates just opened. Mm-hmm. And I had what I needed, food, shelter, money. Mm-hmm. And then I started the cleaning business because I knew I didn't need, need much money yeah. to start that. And so um, I made the flyer, helped me clean, stay in my home by having me clean yours. And I was honest. Mm-hmm. I'm a single mom. I just lost my home. Help me stay in this home. Mm-hmm. Anything you want for $100. Yeah. I'll clean your whole house. I don't care how big it is. 
and you guys would pass out the flyers. That's yeah. something you could do. Walked around. <laughs> that was disgusting. Walked around a lot of neighborhoods and parking lots and put flyers well, on doors and under windshield and it, wipers. And, and it resonated with people. My business grew immediately. Within three months, I could pay the rent at that house. We ended up living there nine years. It was a beautiful yeah. home to live in. It was mm-hmm. in your school district. Mm-hmm. You had a normal situation, finally, mm-hmm. after years of it not being normal. It yeah. was as normal as it was going to be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we still didn't have a ton of money. We still didn't have a ton of anything extra, but we had what we needed. Right, right. And um, that that was amazing to me. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, it was all an incredible experience. Uh, so when I, the first co- couple of customers, the first batch of customers, I realized half, the, half of them were disabled. Mm-hmm. And this one woman in particular, she lived in this huge house. All of the beds were king-size beds with enormous mattresses. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm changing the sheets. I'm cleaning the bathrooms. I'm cleaning these entire huge, huge homes. Mm-hmm. And I was exhausted. I would cry in the shower. Mm -hmm. I started catering at that time, too. So I catered at night and on the Mm -hmm. weekends, and then I would clean houses during the week, during the day. So I was doing all of that and tired, but I didn't care Um, because I was working for myself and I was making money. I didn't care. Mm -hmm. So I I just lost my train of thought because something was going on down here. Um, Okay. Oh, yeah. This, This lady. She was about five years younger than me, mm-hmm. and she could barely speak. She Her voice box was damaged, yeah. so she would kind of rasp and whisper. She needed a couple of naps during the day to get through the day. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a son who was about your age. Mm-hmm. And in the basement, they had a finished basement, and they had a theater with these lounge chairs that vibrated in this yeah. personal theater. And it, And then there was this bar area. And he had these glass canisters full of candy, different candies, mm-hmm. and a refrigerator full of all these different sodas. And he had uh, his own bedroom and his own bathroom and mm-hmm. a fireplace in his be- bedroom. And it was so much abundance mm-hmm. that it made me sad. I thought, how? Mm-hmm. How will I ever do this? Yeah. How will I ever get to the point where I can get you through college, provide a normal home, provide? provide? At that point, we had... There was such a sense of lack that I felt like I was on one side of a, a glass partition and everybody else in the world was on the other side at a party I hadn't been invited to. Mm-hmm. How do I get to a point where I can get my kids haircuts or even go to a restaurant once a month? Yeah. We couldn't do any of that. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Um, and this boy had it all. Yeah. He had his, he had, he's living in a suite down there. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of would ache, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it made me think. And then I realized how sick his mother was. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a chemical um, problem with chemicals. So that's why she couldn't clean her house. That's mm-hmm. why she hired me. She couldn't tolerate any chemicals. Yeah. She had almost died, apparently. And then bringing oh, wow. her, she had bronchitis or something. And so she kind of died in the ambulance. So to bring her back, they shot her full of uh, steroids and adrenaline to get her heart start- started. Mm-hmm. And in doing all these things to bring her back to life, they yeah. damaged her immune system permanently. Mm-hmm. They damaged her vo- voice bo- box permanently. Yeah. She was very sick, very mm-hmm. sick woman. And she wasn't going to get better. Mm-hmm. She was sick. And I could sense she probably wasn't going to live very long. Yeah. And I thought, oh, 
I'm actually the lucky one here mm-hmm. because I can rebuild. Mm-hmm. I'm healthy and I'm strong. I can do this work and I can rebuild my life. Mm-hmm. So it gave my work meaning. Yeah. And so I would start praying for my customers while I was working in their house. Or I would imagine myself being a, leaving a trail of light. Mm-hmm. Like I would play mental games because, mm-hmm. of course, it's a monotonous job. You're cleaning. But I yeah. loved being alone. I loved that my brain could do what it wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I love that my it was meditative work to me. Yeah. So I would imagine myself leaving a trail of light. I would, um, you know, then I would pray for their po- prosperity and mm-hmm. their health because very often they were sick and I wasn't. Yeah. And I felt lucky and I felt like I was, I was improving the quality of their life. I had a customer who yeah. was, again, around my age, which was, I don't know, late 40s at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had had a heart transplant. Yeah. And he had been confined. He confined himself and his two dogs to the immediate kitchen area in his home. Mm-hmm. It was so loaded with dog hair, I could pick up armfuls. Oh, wow. I threw, I threw his furniture out back in the backyard. I threw his cushions. I threw his pillows. I threw everything. I cleaned it. He was actually married. And wanted to prepare lunch for his wife's office. Mm-hmm. So I told myself, this place is going to be so clean. Mm-hmm. He's going to be able to work and prepare that lunch. Yeah. And so I I did whatever mentally I needed to do to give my work meaning. Mm-hmm. And it does have meaning to me. Mm-hmm. And then I decided, you know, as I grew, I wanted to offer an opportunity to other women mm-hmm. who were in my position, who maybe needed flexibility who single moms needed to work but couldn't work traditional jobs because being a single mom is very difficult Mm -hmm. like i said i had to leave you alone yeah i I wasn't paid enough at the time Mm -hmm. um to afford babysitters so i wanted to be a help to other women in this position so that's what also gave my work meaning as i grew Mm -hmm. so and of course i understood addiction and mm-hmm. boy, have I had stories, stories, stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, yeah, I, I quit drinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my birthday is in less than a month. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, a couple weeks. It'll be 11 years. It, was it on your birthday? That was like the final day? The final, final. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, yes, my birthday. So about, you know, I, I don't have, like, some people have a, a date. Yeah. I know for sure that I never drank after my birthday. Mm-hmm. So it, on my birthday, it'll be 11 years. And that'll be 11 years of owning this cleaning business. Yep. Which is, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like sometime we can do it just a whole bonus episode of just oh your stories. But I'm writing a book about it. Though. Yeah, I'm writing. It's called Cleaning Up. So we're going to we're going to fast forward here yeah. a bit. So my mom, she has this, you have this cleaning business. Yes. It's been 11 years. We grow from, you grow from cleaning foreclosed houses that are disgusting to getting people kind of all over the Denver metro area, very random customers. Mm -hmm. It grows word of mouth. You start hiring a lot of people. Um, Many people, Mm -hmm. me and Logan know as well, only my brother. And um, Uh it's just like some of your friends, some of my friends. And uh, it's, it's grown to a point where now we moved out of that house that we lived in for nine right? years. Mm-hmm. And right when I right when I graduated college and mm-hmm. moved out of that one, mm-hmm. you guys moved into this current place. Right. Which is very nice. <laughs> Brand new house. Brand new house. Brand new neighborhood. Mm-hmm. 
excellent, excellent location too. The yeah. views of the mountains and all this. Yeah. It's like you can watch the sunrise every day. Yeah, and it, it's it's crazy because our like our story, like it's it's not over yet, but no. this feels like we're back at like where we should be. Yeah, you know, it's like oh, this is great, and like that the other house was like awesome but it was right. like a lot of rebuilding but when right. you guys got into this this place it was right. like oh this is the next phase Absolutely. of our life yeah yeah well i had this experience can i yeah go for it okay when we were still living in Zinio, the, the house that was given to us um, mm-hmm. i remember okay in michigan way back when before we moved here when you guys were babies we lived in this magical house i loved it it was in horse country it was a little brick house that was on an old orchard, mm-hmm. and we had fruit trees. We had apple trees, pear trees, peach, um, a whole line of massive maple trees, and lilac bushes, um, dogwood, black walnut, mm-hmm. but mostly a lot. We had about 10 apple trees. Yeah. And um, I loved it. And when we lo- when I lost everything, I thought, oh. I will never have such a magical home. Mm-hmm. I thought that I thought that all the good was behind me. Yeah, and that that now I would just be making do. Yeah, you know, I thought yeah. the magical stuff was over, and I was in my forties when I thought that. Mm-hmm. And I went for a run when we were at Zinnia. We had that new house. Mm-hmm. I don't want to confuse people. We moved from Michigan, then we moved here, then we lost everything, then we got that house that Dana gave us. We lived there for nine years. I was starting my cleaning business. I went for a run, and I I noticed I'm looking around. Wait a minute, this neighborhood was an old orchard. I noticed there were apple trees mm-hmm. in everybody's backyard. So mm-hmm. that neighborhood was built on an old orchard. Hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, and I thought, <laughs> oh, I'm getting a second chance. Mm-hmm. I realized that it was getting a second shot at everything, mm-hmm. but I was able to do it right. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. So it did. It felt. It felt like I was coming full circle. Like, oh, good. I I get this again. Mm-hmm. It's not gone. Yeah. I have another chance. Mm-hmm. And quitting drinking gave me another chance too. Mm-hmm. I have not woken up in the last eleven years without thinking, "Thank you." Mm-hmm. As soon as I open my eyes, I'm so grateful for my life. Mm-hmm. I I knew I was going to die. Mm-hmm. I felt it. When it when it was going through the worst times, I thought this is going to kill me, mm-hmm. and it didn't. Mm-hmm. It would have, but yeah. it didn't. And so I was able to stop that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't mean to talk so much about God because I'm not, but it, it is God. I felt, I felt, it was so hard to stop, and I know it's so hard for you to understand because you don't have that gene. Yeah, um, it's very difficult to understand addiction when you haven't experienced it because Mm -hmm. it doesn't make logical sense. It makes no logical sense. And that's what's so heartbreaking for the person experiencing it too. Mm -hmm. I hate this. I don't want to do it, but why Why Mm -hmm. do I? And you have to, like everything else that I was doing, I had to find a mental way of looking at it that worked Mm -hmm. for me. And I finally hit on it when I realized it was a spiritual warfare Mm -hmm. situation that I was born with so many gifts that it was, it was shocking that I was throwing them away. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was intelligent. Mm-hmm. I was born. I was. I was just born on third base. I felt like mm-hmm. I had, you know, very lucky birth. Not that 
I had a lot of things that I had in life I hadn't earned. I was just, it was a luck of the draw. Mm -hmm. But I also had gifts, like my art gifts, my, my writing and all of that. And I thought, oh, the only thing you have to do to stop me from being my best self mm -hmm. is to addict me. Mm -hmm. All the good goes away. Yeah. Not only was I not doing art, mm -hmm. I wasn't a good mom. Mm -hmm. I wasn't a good anything. Mm -hmm. Everything good about me was gone. Mm -hmm. And so when I realized that, and I realized God heard me and gave me that house, mm -hmm. it just gave me the strength to say, nope, I'm stronger yeah. than this. Mm -hmm. I am stronger than this. And I refuse to waken the beast. Mm -hmm. It's a beast to me. Mm -hmm. It's a beast. And uh, it's, it's sleep and it's dormant and it's going to stay that way, period. Mm -hmm. Because I refuse to throw my life away. And that's what it, it would be. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, here we are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Here we are 11 years later. And I still have this, this business and it's been so good to me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it, before COVID, it was up to about 20 mm -hmm. employees. Um, I have teams going. I, you know, have storage unit. I have great customers. Oh, that's right. You were talking about how I had far-flung customers. Mm -hmm. And then the the more I grow, the tighter my circle is. Right. So, so, so what that means is like, instead of having to drive 40 minutes across yeah. town to work a job. Five minutes. You have so many customers that they're all, now they can all be within a 10, 15 minute yes. drive. Of exactly. Where you're located. Yeah. And then, so each of the teams, you got, you know, each of the teams does a certain number of houses. They're all within 10 minutes of each other. You just maximize mm -hmm. the time. Yeah. You know. Exactly. So, but now we can uh, circle back. Mm -hmm. Now we've got all that out of the way. Mm -hmm. Now you're kind of wanting to get out of mm -hmm. running the business mm -hmm. and get more into your creativity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But now, like, I mean, the last, I mean, at Zinnia, mm -hmm. you started painting yes. again, yes. right? Yes. So what was it like when you started painting? Do you remember your first view? Yeah, I um I remember I started painting and I I my very first painting after I had um kind of come out of dormancy. Mm -hmm. it, I wanted to paint shattered glass. Mm -hmm. Cuz that's what it felt like like everything had shattered. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to somehow depict that. And I started painting that and that painting never really finished. Like I started painting it and I loved the act of painting. It's not, mm -hmm. it wasn't necessarily about the finished piece. It was about the process. It was about getting back into my head in that way, feeling how it feels when you go into that zone, when you're creating something. Mm -hmm. And as I got healthier, yeah, that painting evolved into a flower. Mm -hmm. So it's not here. No, not that it's one. It's not that one. No, not it's, that one. Okay. Um, it's here somewhere, but it, it's not even anything to look at. Yeah. It's it's that it changed from something that was dark mm -hmm. to something that was bright, mm -hmm. something that was hard-edged and shattered to something mm -hmm. that flowed. And I thought that was interesting because I could see how my mental state was changing by what was coming out of me. Totally. I, I find that like in college, I was drawing a lot and like I have like a whole portfolio of things mm -hmm. and like... Granted, it kind of kicked off when I did acid for the first time. <laughs> but there was like there was like waves in like what I would draw, and uh -huh. I could see my mood changing over the years yes. based on what I draw. Yeah. And like I remember going through like a notebook and I was showing my friend like the stuff I had drawn mm -hmm. in the past. 
And there was a point she goes, you were really lonely right here, weren't you? And I was like, yeah, I kind of was. Like, just by yeah. how things d- are depicted, where they're less... If I make art and I'm in a good mm-hmm. place, it's more mm-hmm. whimsical and fun yep. and whatever. But if it's like a dark place, it's more sincere mm-hmm. and clean and like, yeah. Well, I was uh, I noticed that also with my surroundings. Um, when I was going, struggling with my alcohol issue, I um, mm-hmm. it would come and go. Like near the end, I would go chunks of time, like four months without drinking, and then yeah, I would yeah. drink again. And but I could see how my mental state was by how my surroundings were. How was I keeping my home? Mm-hmm. When things were starting to get bad, mm-hmm. it was a mess. Yeah. And then when things were good, it's clean mm-hmm. and good. So my outer surroundings reflected what was going on inside of me. Mm-hmm. And now it's interesting because we obviously have so many customers and we do so many different jobs. I can tell when someone's in addiction by looking at their home. Yeah. All right, just took a we just took a quick break there, um, but we're back. Um, so, you start painting more when we get into the Zinnia house, mm-hmm. which is the house that was given to us. Right. And you try to paint something dark, but you got better. You improved, like help, like mentally, yeah. and things started to be more colorful and right. bright. And you started you started painting a lot more yeah. around that time, right? Yeah. So what, like, how would you describe your painting? Like, I always thought of it as like, like just amorphous, like clouds of color. Well, it's definitely abstract. I'm not a realist. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. I feel, I feel like I need to explore my art at this point. Yeah. More. Mm -hmm. um, That I took such a long break Mm -hmm. that. I want to give myself permission to take the time it takes to become the artist I was born to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm not putting any pressure on myself. Yeah. Like, like I'm, okay, I'm working. I'm just showing you. No, nice. Right That's now. cool. It's um, a sunflower. Um, so it's, it's more representative, but it's still abstract. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like, I love color. Mm-hmm. And I love working with colors. And, and you know, so abstract based on representational stuff i don't know yeah i i i'm going to find it i mm-hmm. don't know right now i've got to find my voice again mm-hmm. in art my art style you, now coming coming back to art after such a long time do you have inspirations you always come back to are there artists that, that like you think about a lot that <coughs> i i just i seek it out mm-hmm. uh, so i look you yeah. Know, uh, the now, of course, online. Uh, I've taken some online courses. Um, there's a guy. Hold on. <coughs> Excuse me. So there's some artists that I I just love their work, and I've taken mm-hmm. some courses, and it's been really helpful. It's almost like being back in art school. Yeah. Um. You know, this is the palette I use. These are the brushes I use. This is how I go about it. So it's fun to mm-hmm. get back into. It's almost like taking a ski lesson. Yeah. Oh, okay. Get back to basics. It feels like. You, yeah. Okay. Then you have somewhere like you have a framework to work from. Um. So I'm immersing myself more. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm also writing about my experiences yeah. called cleaning up, which is, oh my <laughs> goodness. The people I come across, I couldn't make it up. And it's been fun. Um, I've been taking notes for years and years. I'm at about 35,000 words for the book. Wow. Um, so I remember you started this as Billy, your butter's Billy, burning. your butter's burning. But that's a different, <laughs> uh, I know. And that didn't really gel. You know, it was hard. I, and I'd still like to finish that one. 
What was difficult for me is, is writing about the people I worked with and met and hired without it seeming cruel. Yeah. And I don't want it to be mean. I don't mm-hmm. want it to be just a, you know, a rant or complaining or, you know, I want it. I, I just, so finding a way to write about the experiences that is a mm-hmm. positive way to write about what can often be negative situations. My yeah. goodness. Like, I mean, I hire, I hire drug addicts. I try hire people who steal, who, <laughs> who know. people who get two DUIs in a month. <laughs> Three. Three. <laughs> um, I don't. It's just crazy. And, it's a circus. And, you know, and being excited to hire back someone who got clean and then maybe she's relapsing and or not realizing someone's an addict and thinking she's just really slow and needs a skill. <laughs> like, this poor girl, she needs a skill of some... Oh, no, she's actually on drugs. Um, <laughs> it's It's been eye-opening. And I, I appreciate my business and I love that it's it's brought us to this place Mm -hmm. there's nothing negative i have about it it's a great little business and i think more people should do it to be honest Mm -hmm. but what i'd like to say about it is it's pretty simple i think i think what anybody should keep in mind is good character traits Mm -hmm. whatever business you're in be honest show up when you're supposed to do what you say you're going to if someone's not happy redo it no problem i mean those are just basic things that any business should be based mm-hmm. on i think that sort of thing doesn't come naturally to a lot of people mm-hmm. people who could be starting and running a business and making more money than they are mm-hmm. aren't yeah because that those basic qualities are missing mm-hmm. totally so um so yeah. what's so why why so I know you want to move away from the cleaning business and yes. like sell it yes. right so yes. what what's kind of the drive there money I'd like to well okay um it's it's like it's consuming yeah. any business you run is consuming mm-hmm. and so I either have to find a way to remove myself from the day to day operations which I should be doing anyway. Um, but I tend to get sucked back in mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't like, I don't like where, where my head's at because mm-hmm. if this has been 11 years, I've done it. I've made good money. Right. I know I can do it. So I feel good about what I've accomplished. Um, so I talked to somebody about selling it and I realized there's, I have to get my ducks in a row if it's going to be, you know, especially after a, a year of COVID where things are, you know, kind of dipped. Yeah. But we're still good. We yeah. never, never shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get it to a place where I want to maximize my return. Mm-hmm. So it might take a couple of years to get to a point, point where I can sell it and get it, get what I want out of it for 11 years of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, or find a way to pull myself out of it and still own it. Right, right. And just continue having it, mm-hmm. you know be an income stream for myself. Mm-hmm. That's an income stream, not my total immersion. Right. I, I I want my life, daily life, to be different. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be about managing people. Yeah, yeah. It's driving me crazy mm-hmm. because I love being alone. I am an introvert. I mm-hmm. love my art. I love running. I love skiing. I love doing everything alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love people. But um, being sucked into the employee situation daily has, yeah. has worn on me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's wearing. And I feel like I've done it. 
And now it's time to do something else. Mm-hmm. And and I feel very, very strongly that I want to become the writer and artist I was born to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm 60. I'm going to be 60 in a few weeks. Can you believe that? <laughs> um, so, so that's what's driving that is the feel that I, I'm not the person I was born to be. But now I got something to write about. <laughs> and, and, you know, to be, you know, going through hardship, I'm a much better person mm-hmm. than I would have been had none of this happened. Mm-hmm. Had I just sailed along out of my suburban upbringing mm-hmm. and nothing really had fallen apart mm-hmm. in the way it did, I wouldn't be the person I am today. Right. This was right. necessary. Mm-hmm. This was necessary for me to become the person I am mm-hmm. now. And as much as I hate that you and your brother went through what you did, mm-hmm. it also created you no, we and came your out, brother. We came out way better better for it. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. I, I really do um, believe that. Especially because we got the closure on yeah. all of it. And we well, just got to yeah. be feel better. Well, what I loved is that things started getting good before you left home. That it, it kind of turned around mm-hmm. before you left that I would have felt bad had you left home. Mm-hmm. Had things still been a mess, mm-hmm. and that was your only memory of home, mm-hmm. or your final memory of home. Right, right. I was glad that that these magical things were happening and things were turning around, and you got to see that things can fall apart and still come back together mm-hmm. and come back better. Yeah, than they would have been. Definitely. Otherwise. So, so what does your like? Let's say you either sell the business mm-hmm. or you're in charge of it. And you don't have to be involved. What does right. your day look like? What is your, what do you want? My dream? Your, yeah. What are your, what are your dream days look like? <laughs> well, I, I've, I've gotten hooked on running in the morning. Mm-hmm. Totally. Cause I did, I gotta put a shout out to 75 hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did this program called 75 hard for 75 days. I had to work out twice a day for 45 minutes a day. One of them had to be outside. So I got in the habit of running every day mm-hmm. and, um, since Jan, June 5th. Mm-hmm. I pretty much run every single morning except mm-hmm. for three. Is that, the, three. is that the first thing you do in the morning? No, I wake up and I have coffee and I read a bit. Um, I might write a bit. Mm-hmm. I like to just kind of wake up. Mm-hmm. And I don't like to run in the dark. I yeah. get up at four. Yeah. So I'm I'm reading and writing about mm-hmm. that time. Try to maybe connect with God a bit. Um, so write, you journal. wake um, up, kind of write, kind of get, yes. get woken up a little bit. Yeah. And then you go for a run. When the sun's coming up. Mm-hmm. The sun comes up this time of year is about quarter to seven yeah so i'm out the door as soon as it's light enough to feel comfortable mm-hmm. um and so i run for about 45 minutes okay and then let's say you don't have this cleaning business you come back from your run what what would you do art you I, just... would, I would come into my studio mm-hmm. and either probably write mm-hmm. write or paint mm-hmm. for a couple hours i think my brain works the best in the morning mm-hmm. so maybe i would I do the writing First thing, mm-hmm. um, sometimes I mean, that's what I do. I write in the morning. And so maybe a couple hours of that and mm-hmm. then a couple hours of painting. I would love that. Mm-hmm. And then um, I, I find that the older I get, the more I love being outside. Mm-hmm. I love being physically active. Yeah. I love being outdoors. You know, there's, there's a lot to be said for a structured life. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I might complain about the immersion in my um, cleaning business, but it gives my life structure. I get up, I can get the teams going, 
and then I can pull away. But right. it gets me out of bed, gets some structure to my day. If I have too much free time, I get lazy. Oh, I yeah. want to take a nap at 10.30. You know, I <laughs> I don't mind having work. I like to work. Mm-hmm. So I guess the dream would be, you know, go for a run, do some writing, do some art. You know, I mean, that's, I I would like not to have to, I would like, I would like to be in charge of my life again mm-hmm. because it feels like with so many employees, mm-hmm. they're running my life. Yeah. So you have a job where maybe your boss is running your life and then you say, I got my own business. I'm running my life. Well, no, the employees end up. Yeah. You're just you, putting out fires all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Or learn how to do that better where you're not. Mm-hmm. So it's a growing experience. I, I find I love um, learning to be a better leader. Mm-hmm. And I would love to, oh, okay. I would love to do some speaking. I would mm-hmm. love to, I, you know, I'm sorry, it just popped in my head. What I really want to do is develop, um, create a course where people can start their own business. Mm-hmm. So instead of me running the business, let me show you how to run your own. Mm-hmm. And 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 just put, put together an, a package where people can buy it and I would mm-hmm. help them for you know a certain amount of time a finite amount of time help mm-hmm. them launch yeah and then they're in charge right this is their business and I would like to do that help people mm-hmm. start their own businesses become mm-hmm. entrepreneurs like and then let them fly away and do it on their own Be- mm-hmm. and then that way they have more ownership they have more control they also have more incentive Right, um, right, and you're di- and you're working with a different kind of person than someone who is coming to you because everybody else fired them and the year. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> um. So yeah, I definitely want to do a course where people learn how to start their own businesses. Mm-hmm. And then you I could just... do courses and then do all your art and writing right? kind of on the side and finish the book. Mm-hmm. Finish another book. Billy, your butter's burning would be a good one to finish. Mm-hmm. And and then cleaning up. Also, those two. So, so for the listeners, cleaning up is about your your experiences in the cleaning business. Yes. What is Billy Your Butter's Burning about? The characters. Yeah. You know, I I started Billy Your Butter's Burning when I was working in catering. Mm-hmm. This was before we lost our our condo. Yeah. 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 Um, there was an incident. I was at the um, at a center for the arts, and I was it was. It was uh, an event was going on mm-hmm. and I was walking through the kitchen and I just, me and this, I was talking to another woman mm-hmm. we were just walking through the kitchen and we turned our heads and we see this huge skillet of butter bubbling up mm-hmm. and then it caught fire. It bubbled over mm-hmm. and we just, she looks over her shoulder and says, Billy, your butter's burning. And Billy was the chef mm-hmm. and we just kept walking. She goes, isn't that terrible? How nonchalant. And we just, didn't give it another thought. And yeah. we turned around and looked, and we see his chef's hat just bobbing up and down in these flames. And we didn't move a muscle. We are just so desensitized to crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. So ba- Billy or Butter's Burning is when an outrageous thing happens and you just act like it's normal because it mm-hmm. is. Yeah. You know, you, I was working in with a lot of caterers and catering help. Mm-hmm. You don't know who you're working next to because, right. they, you know. Very often, they're dangerous people who gravitate towards that, mm-hmm. being cater helpers. Mm-hmm. They're felons or they have issues. Mm-hmm. They have issues, mental health issues, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're working with them. Mm-hmm. And you don't know. You don't know who's... No- you learn to be careful what you say mm-hmm. because you don't know who you're working with. 
right, right. if that person is stable or mm-hmm. not. And um, it was what it was funny. One event I was working, um, the Magnolia Hotel downtown. I had to be there at five a.m. And this is this was not my business. I was helping caterers at the time, and mm-hmm. we we did our thing. And they said, "Oh." you have to wait back here because the event is starting. So we had set up for the event. We're sitting on the floor Mm -hmm. on linoleum. Nothing. Someone had a box that they were sitting on. And these two men were leaning against each other, sleeping. I'm laying flat on my back, staring at the ceiling because I was so exhausted. Mm -hmm. And then they brought us these plates. And it was like cold eggs and bacon that we could eat. And then they're saying, shh, shh, they know they can hear you. Because we were laughing and talking, like, shh. And then someone said, well, you know your station in life. When you're sitting on the cold cold linoleum eating powdered eggs and they're telling you to shush because the people, (laughs) you're disturbing the people at the event. (laughs) Oh, my God. How did my life get this away? Mm -hmm. And it was just hilarious. And there was another time where I was working this event at Pepsi Center, mm-hmm. and and they closed down the whole center, or the whole center was um, going to be this one main event, and mm-hmm. so all of the workers were supposed to stream in, in the parking lot in this one area. So I go walking up, and this man I'd worked with a lot, and would see him at a lot of different events. He was just another worker. He was leaning against. And I see him across the parking lot, far away, and he's just looking at me, kind of smirking. And I walk up. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. He says, look around you, Cindy. Everybody looks homeless. And you walk up looking like a soccer mom. The, <laughs> the jig is up. You've got to stop doing this. Like the, the kind of work. He meant the kind of work I was doing. It was attracting yeah. the riffraff. And the people could have been walking up with their homeless, like, mm-hmm. grocery carts. I mean, it was just, yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> but here I am. Yeah. I just want to make some money. Mm-hmm. It worked around everything else. I just did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had my own catering business for a while, and I I thought the cleaning business would be temporary because, yeah. um, and that the catering would win out because I loved to cook. Um, then I broke my arm and thought about it, and mm-hmm. I and I realized the cleaning business was actually better because it was during the week, mm-hmm. during the day, no evenings, no weekends, and I could hire people. Yeah, and that's kind of how it took off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in 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 comedy, people, it's it's almost better for to have day work because for us, yeah. no comedy happens in the evening yeah. or in the during the daytime. It's all in the evening. Right. So if you work at a bar or a restaurant or something, mm-hmm. you're missing out on time that you could be out performing. Yeah. Versus if you get something during the day, you can just wake up, do your thing, and do whatever Absolutely. you want. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, you yeah. you go to bed at like. 8 30 or 9 most times so i can't imagine you working those jobs anymore where you're out till one in the morning i know and it turned out to be a great decision because because of covid if i had had a catering business still it would have been shut down totally as it was we never shut down it was like running the underground railroad for a while because we didn't know is this legal i don't know if that's a fair comparison can we clean houses (laughs) it was just like Allowed to clean houses still. Like we were, like when the first day of shutdown, it's like, what do we do? And then one of my customers that day was a police officer. It was the first day we were going to clean his house, mm-hmm. and I contacted him. I said, "Is this legal?" 
He says, well, if you don't tell anybody, I won't. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so we just kept kept working. And the people who wanted us to come did. Mm-hmm. And people who didn't, didn't. You mm-hmm. know, it was just, a, it's at will. It's, nobody's yeah. forcing it on them. So, mm-hmm. but the business ended up just doing just fine. Mm-hmm. So I, it's been a blessing. Mm-hmm. But I feel... I don't want to beat it to death. I mean, if I sell it, my goal is to buy a little place in Michigan along Lake Michigan mm-hmm. to have the best of both worlds. Yeah. So I can ski and swim. Yeah. Um, or if I keep it going, same thing, you know. Uh, but the dream is to pull out. Mm-hmm. Pull out of the day-to-day so that I can be the artist. I'm giving myself 10 years mm-hmm. of... Um, it's a way of giving myself permission and not pressuring myself mm-hmm. to, oh, I have to be a great artist at this point. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I need to find my voice again mm-hmm. in every way. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd like to, I mean, finish my book first. First goal, finish the book and then paint every day. Just give myself every day to get down here and do something no matter what. Oh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. To go online, I've um, become a patron of some people where I pay monthly so I can see their videos, mm-hmm. the work of people I admire who are more skilled than I, um, and learn from them. And so just continuously learning, um, mm-hmm. from people that whose work I like mm-hmm. and I'm drawn to, I just, how did I lose myself? It's like, I feel like I lost myself mm-hmm. for a while there. And all those years of, of course, art was part of my daily life for so many years and then boom, gone. Mm-hmm. And I want it back. Yeah. I want it back. Totally. And I don't have a set plan because I know things evolve. I'll just Mm -hmm. start. As long as I'm doing my art every day and writing every day, it will take in an organic direction. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're we're down to our last little bit here. If let me ask so this is kinda Mm -hmm. kinda something I ask everybody in one way or another, but throughout all your experiences of like like starting this career, getting a family, losing everything, restarting and getting back into what you really love. Is there like, do you have like a big lesson that you feel like you've learned over this lifetime of events? Do you have like a message you stick to or something you tell yourself to keep going? Oh. Have you not listened to a full episode of this podcast, mom? Gosh. (laughs) Something I tell you. Um... Like when you wake up in the morning, what do you think about? I say thank you. And mm-hmm. I, what's been wonderful about my morning runs is I'm always thinking about how beautiful and, and how grateful. Mm-hmm. So I'm in a grateful place appreciating the beauty around me. I love my sunrises. And I just think, wow, look at this. This is so amazing. And so I feel like those runs helped me get into a really good headspace. Mm-hmm. What is the lesson? Um, Yes, I think what's held me back more than anything in my whole life mm-hmm. is a lack of confidence mm-hmm. until you hold yourself back. And the older you get, the more you realize, oh, I do have what it takes. Mm-hmm. Everybody feels that way or everybody starts somewhere. It's okay not to be great. It's okay not to know what you're doing. It's okay not to be perfect. It's okay, like like right now, what I'm giving myself permission to do. Whatever the art is, is is what it is. I mm-hmm. will get where I want to go. Mm-hmm. I will get where I want to go. Yeah. And it, 
you're you're worthy. We all are of having mm. the life we want. We can create our lives. It's a choice. Like when I, oh yes, yes, I do have something. What what's what's the big lesson I've learned? I have choices. That's it. Like if I'm really frustrated with something, I know I'm in control of my thoughts. I have a choice what I'm thinking. I I can choose to change that. What do I need to do to change my mental state right now? And I get that power. Um, if I don't like how my day is going or if I feel like my my employees are running my life, it's like, wait, I'm the one in control here. This is my business. I have choices. Then I draw a line. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not doing that. This is how I'm going to run it now. You have the choice. You are not a victim. You are in control. Always. If you are going to play the victim, that's your choice still. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that was a big shift for me is learning that I get to choose my thoughts. And my thoughts really shape my life. And when I was just pulling out of the darkness and I'd run, I, I realized how negative my thoughts were. This was mm-hmm. many year, ten, more than 11 years ago. And I realized I had negative tapes I would automatically fall into. Mm-hmm. And I learned to flip it, like flip the switch. Mm-hmm. And then when I noticed that happening, I'd flip it to a positive affirmation and I'd repeat that as a mantra. Mm-hmm. My happiness is my choice. My happiness is my choice. My happiness is, it sounds simple or simplistic, but it isn't. You learn that you get to control your thoughts. You get to control your life. You are in control. Not your boss. Not my employees, as much as I can complain. I have to remind myself, I have choices. I'm in control. This mm-hmm. is my life. So, yeah, I'm good enough. Mm-hmm. And I want to become the person I was born to be. And I'm going to be the artist I want to be. Mm-hmm. And the writer I was born to be. Um, confidence. <laughs> I I would think... Advice I would give you if you if you were gonna have a kid, <laughs> okay, build them up always, mm-hmm. no matter what. Build them up, build them up, build them up. You know, think about it's a, it just sinks in. Mm-hmm. Totally, and I think that's important for anyone in your life that you appreciate. Is yeah, like true. a big thing that we experience in comedy is just like it's so much better when you have a community of people who are supportive and encouraging of each other and build each other up. Mm -hmm. You just get further that way and everyone feels better and has more fun. Mm -hmm. You know what else I came away with that I appreciate? I have far more empathy for others. Mm -hmm. I probably was more judgmental and more impatient Mm -hmm. before all this. I'd say in my 20s. I was had a sense of arrogance in a way. Mm-hmm. Life was good. Life was great. But a lot of it was just because, just because of how lucky I was, the family I was born into, and the place I was mm-hmm. born into. And it's not like I was brilliant or, all, you know, it was just because. It yeah. just was. It wasn't because I necessarily earned it. You mm-hmm. know? Um, now, I mean, I have so much compassion for people and difficulties and, and I see maybe how they were brought up or the people they, they were surrounded by and mm-hmm. the lack of family support and love and all of it. And I just, it breaks me. And so I tend to give people 
hundreds of chances. Yeah. You know? Yeah. How, <laughs> I do. Oh, you want to work for me? I spent a okay. lot of my college years telling you, you need to fire this person. Well, no. I you can't. would never fire these I get people. It, but I get it. I get it. I get how it is when it's difficult. I get how mm-hmm. different you are. You know, I, I understand. Mm-hmm. I understand hardship. So mm-hmm. I do. I give people chances and I'm okay. I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I can make that cut. Oh, I'm going to fire you. I mean, I, I very, I don't think I have ever mm-hmm. not given someone another chance. Mm-hmm. I, I always do because I needed it mm-hmm. over and over and over. And eventually it sticks. Yeah. I don't know. That's true. Well, this was fun. <sighs> was it? I hope this isn't a boring. This this is this will be a good episode. So okay. thank you for coming on. I'm glad you Thanks for did doing this. this. This is fun. Oh. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I should say this. You can always edit it out. Yeah. You know, people, you know, we I can talk about this stuff more lightheartedly now because I'm past it. Mm-hmm. You know, it took a lot of years where I would I'm kind of crying right now, but for the most part, if I ever talked about any of this, I would cry. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I mean, we were giggling about some of this and laughing, and I don't take it lightly at all, mm-hmm. to be honest. If people say this and you wonder if they mean it, but I, I would. I would give up 10 years of my life to redo 10 years of yours. I would. I'm so sorry for what I put you through. And I know it was hard. It didn't really have to be that way. But it was. But I honestly would. I would give up 10 years to give you those 10 years back. But we can't. Mm -hmm. And maybe you wouldn't be the person you are. I wouldn't change a thing. Thank you. Thank you. But I just want you to know, I don't take it lightly. I'm so sorry. It was rough. Mm-hmm. But you know what? People have had it a lot rougher too, and I see that. Mm-hmm. I see it every day. So I'm grateful for my life. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for your life. You're doing what you want to do. You're pursuing your dreams, mm-hmm. and you're confident. And I don't know about that, that just yet. <laughs> well, we all have <laughs> insecurities, I suppose. Yeah. But but it's fun seeing you just. You know, I'm going to New York <laughs> and then doing it and pursuing it. And mm-hmm. and to me, I admire the fact that you can stand in front of a group of people and practice your craft. I get to sit here in the corner in the basement and practice my art. No one has to see it until I choose. <laughs> um, and until I choose for them to see it. Um, because, you know, it, it's one of those things. But you can't practice comedy alone in your closet <laughs> you uh you learn to become immune to the constant rejection of people not laughing at certain bits so <laughs> but yeah so th- this is great thank you so okay. much for love recording you, this i love you too this was amazing i'm grateful for everything and everything thank you've you. done thank you. it's all good and i'm really excited for whenever your book is finished <laughs> i will buy a bunch of copies <laughs> and hand them out to people so <laughs> Okay. Do you have any plugs you want to throw in here on the end? Do you have any anywhere people can follow you or anything no. you want to put out there? Okay. No, I like to remain a little bit anonymous. Okay. I will emerge on my own. <laughs> 
Okay. Well, when the when when your book comes out, I'll make sure to post it on the Instagram okay. and get yeah. it out there. So okay, cool. It's, it's close. So why don't I give myself a deadline? Yeah, <laughs> give yourself a deadline. I will give myself a deadline <laughs> to finish the book. That one needs to be finished. Awesome. Okay. Well, that's it for our episode this week. Um, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, everybody, and uh, we're this will come out right before the new year. So, uh, happy new year and we'll start, we'll start fresh in 2021 with more stories and interviews from awesome people. And I will talk to you quitters next week. Bye. Bye.